Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. Bless the Lord. Take your Bibles out, hold them high in the air, whether in book form or digital form. And I want you to say this after me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I will do what it says for me to do. I place myself under the authority of God's word. It says I am blessed. Therefore, I am blessed. It says I am an overcomer. Therefore, I overcome. Every obstacle, every challenge, and every hindrance through the name above every name, Jesus Christ. I open my heart. I open my mind to receive God's word. I receive this word, and I confess this word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Today we conclude our sermon series on heroes of uh, the church. And we're going to speak of one of my favorite characters of the Bible. And his name is Timothy. In the last few weeks, we looked at Nehemiah, the builder. We spoke about Barnabas, the encourager. Last Sunday, we preached on Epaphroditus, the soldier. And today, we're going to talk about Timothy and his commitment to the Lord. Timothy was passionately committed to the cause of Christ. And I believe it's important for you and I to be passionately committed to the work of God, to the cause of Christ. I believe the church, society, our communities need individuals who are passionately committed to the things of God. When you came in this morning, you received your sermon notes. You'll notice the very first point we're going to talk about is the introduction of Timothy in scriptures. So turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, we'll look at the first five verses, and this is where Timothy is introduced to us in the word. Now, Luke is the author of Acts, so so he is writing, and he says, Paul went first to Derb and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. Now, what is interesting is the decision that was made by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem is that Gentile believers did not have or need to be circumcised, that Christ alone 
was enough, that it was not about keeping uh, the rituals of the law. It was about faith in Christ. Verse 5, so the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Now, what we know is this is the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. You remember that Paul and Barnabas was in Antioch. They were ministering and strengthening the churches there. One day, Paul says, hey, Barn, let's go back and visit the churches that we started and founded on our first missionary journey. Matter of fact, if you look at verse 36 of chapter 15, it says it as much. Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord and see how the new believers are doing. Let's check on these new followers, these disciples. Let's let's make sure they are doing okay. How many know sometimes you need someone to check on you spiritually? Amen? Amen. You need someone to check on you spiritually, how you are doing, how you are growing, and how you are progressing in the faith. Let me challenge you. Give individuals permission to check on you. Invite people into community, invite people into your walk with God, and give them the okay to check on you spiritually and to see how you are progressing, how you are growing, because it is important for you to grow in healthy ways, rejecting unhealthy growth, and these churches needed right doctrine. So Paul looks at Barnabas and he says, hey, let's go back. Let's visit the churches we started. Let's let's check on these new believers because Paul knew the importance of making sure they were not just growing, but growing in a healthy way. And that is so important today. Right doctrine is important. Sound doctrine. And Paul would would write to Timothy later and state this. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine and shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall turn unto fables. He he warned the early church that, that men would depart from the faith. And the antidote to this defection was to preach the word. Titus, in a similar situation, was enjoined to speak the things which become sound doctrine. See, instruction in the word would prevent defection from the truth. This is so important in your walk. It's so important in today's culture that we know the truth of God's word. That we study the truth of God's word so that we would not defect from the truth and we would not get into error and false doctrine. The day in which we live is marked by just such departures as Paul anticipated. It is an age which men are tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Certainly one major reason for wavering in the faith 
The wavering in the faith of many is ignorance of the truth, lack of instruction in the truth because of a neglect of the doctrines of the word of God. Doctrine is a good word. It is healthy. Understand the teachings of the historical church. Understand the teachings of the apostles. Understand the teachings of Christ and the teachings of the word of God. Write this word. Write, write the word Lystra. This is the town, the city that Timothy was from. Timothy was the fruit of Paul and Barnabas' labor in the city and region of Lystra on their first missionary journey. If you read chapter 14 of Acts, it records the efforts in Lystra. It records the work that Paul and Barnabas had done. The power of God was manifested through the miraculous. However, it ended with Paul being stoned and left for dead. Have you ever set out to do something good and suddenly it seems like everything turned against you? You ever wonder, did your efforts make a difference? Did you ever wonder what you did? did was, it, was it worth it because, because of the price that was exacted from you? All of us can, can think of moments when, when, when we set out to do something good and, and, and things were turned on us as if we were the bad person. Well, you think you had a bad day. Look what happened to Paul. Verse 19 says, then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. And then it says, they stoned Paul. They dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. Now that's a bad day. I mean, they stoned him, thought they had killed him. So they dragged his old sorry body outside the city thinking they're going to leave him there. Yeah. Wow. What was he doing? What was his crime? Preaching Jesus. Preaching sound doctrine. Establishing the churches. Evangelizing the area. Hear me. Do not discount the tough places you're walking through today. They may become the fertile soil that produces fruit for your next season. Yeah. Timothy was the fruit coming from Paul's faithfulness in Lystra. Here they found Timothy, evidently one of the converts from his first missionary journey. Now, I bring that out because I want to encourage you be faithful in this season. Be faithful in the trial. Be faithful when you're walking through the valley because the Holy Spirit is working even when you do not see it because Jesus is moving even when you do not feel it. And sometimes you may wonder, sometimes you may ask what I'm doing. Does it really matter? Does it really make a difference? Aren't you thankful Paul didn't give up even though they stoned him, even though they left him for dead? It says that the believers gave gathered around him, and they realized he was still alive. He got up, went back into town. 
The very city that tried to stone him, he went back. Sometimes, church, you just got to go back and stare the devil right in the face and say, you took your best shot, but I'm still here. You've attacked me, but I'm still standing. You've come against me, but I'm still believing. I'm still trusting God. I'm still trusting in his word. Even when the enemy is attacking you, keep doing what God has called you to do. Look at verse 20 of Acts 14. When the believers gathered around him, he got up, went back into town. I'm thinking, I try to transpose myself and put myself there in that situation. Like, I'm, I'm getting up. I'm going the other way. I'm like, I'm like these folk are serious. Oh, I paid my dues. You ever felt like that? Oh, Lord, I've, I've paid my dues. Lord, I... I've done what you've asked me to do. Lord, I just can't do it anymore. He got up, went back into Lystra. Some, some of you need to get up and go right back because God's going to do something. He's working. You can't see it right now. He's working. Holy Spirit is moving. What Paul did not realize, Luke describes it two chapters later. He goes back on his second missionary journey and what does he find? A young man named Timothy who will join him in his missionary endeavors. He found fruit from his previous faithfulness. I'm sure when he left Lystra, he's wondering what good is going to come of this. Can anything come out of this hard situation? Maybe you're walking through a very difficult situation right now. Maybe you're walking through a very trying time. Maybe you, too, are asking, can anything good come out of where I'm at? Be faithful in the hard places because it often becomes the fertile soil that produces the fruit for your next season. Don't discount the ability of God to work through a tough bad, hard situation. Can you say amen? He went back right in the town. He would later write to the Corinthians. Listen, this is, this is Paul's own words. He would later write to them, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also might be manifested in our body. Wow. What faith. Timothy was from Lystra, that place that tried to stone. Didn't try. They did. They tried to kill him, left him for dead, thought he was dead, but he got back up. It's in that place that the Lord brought fruit, fruit of his faithfulness. What we also know from our passage in Acts 16 is Timothy's mom was a Jewish believer and his father was Greek. And Luke writes this, in deference to the Jews of the area, Paul and Timothy would be, that he would be ministering to in the future, Luke tells us 
that, that Paul arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Sometimes it is important to remove any hindrances, even if we feel a freedom in those areas. Timothy speaks to us of a commitment to the gospel, a willingness to go the extra mile in order not to be a stumbling block to others. The council in Jerusalem, chapter 15, they'd already decided that you don't have to be circumcised to be saved, uh, that it's faith in Christ Jesus, that you're to follow Christ, the teachings of uh, Christ, and Christ alone is enough. Paul would write to the church of, of, of Rome and said that you're justified by faith, faith alone, not by works, he told the church of Ephesus, lest any man should boast. You're saved by grace. So Timothy was free to keep living as he was, but it says in deference to the Jews of the area who they knew that they would be ministering to, he was circumcised. Let me read an article titled, The Extra Step. As a Christian, Timothy was not required to be circumcised. Nevertheless, he voluntarily submitted himself to this to overcome any barriers in his witness for Christ. The article states, sometimes we need to go beyond the minimum requirements in order to help our audience receive our testimony. The question is, what personal sacrifices would you be willing to make for the sake of the gospel? Are you willing to forego a freedom that you feel you have in Christ in order not to be a stumbling block to your neighbor so they can hear your testimony about Christ without prejudice, without concern, that's love. And that's the radical love that Jesus calls us to. Jesus, when asked by a certain individual, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus responded to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul. And the second is to love your neighbor as your Self. True love says, I'll forgo my personal freedom, my personal wishes, my own rights that I can demand are mine. I'll let go of those if it means the furtherance of the gospel of Christ. Imagine how our community could be affected if we love this way. Imagine how our families could be affected for the good. Imagine the fruit that could come from this season that's hard and tough. Imagine the souls that could be won for the kingdom yeah. of God. Write this under D. Write, write a good reputation. Paul wanted to take Timothy with him on his second missionary journey. As a matter of note, Timothy joined Paul on his third missionary journey, too. And the last letter that Paul ever wrote, the apostle wrote before his martyrdom, is a letter written to Timothy, 2 Timothy. Now, notice what Luke says in verse 2. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra 
and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. It's important to build a good reputation. It was Timothy's good name. It was his good name that opened the door for him to go to a higher plane of effectiveness. Timothy had built relational capital with the believers and leaders in his own community. So this begs the question as to how someone earns a good reputation. To start, understand that a reputation is a reflection of one's character. It's built over time. And it's a combination of words and actions. Let your actions line up with your words. Let's talk for a few moments about the ministry of Timothy. And you'll notice the ministry of Timothy throughout the New Testament with the the titles or the labels that Paul placed upon Timothy. They're descriptive in nature. First of all, he calls him a son. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 20 through 22, he says, I have no one else like Timothy. He's talking to the Philippian church. He says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served me in preaching the good news. Paul is writing to the Philippians and he says, I have no one else like Timothy. See, Timothy stands out for his heart. He stands out for his compassion and love of God's people. Timothy genuinely cared about the Philippians' welfare. Again, in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17, Paul said this, that's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches everywhere I go. My faithful and loved child. So Timothy was a son, a spiritual son to the apostle. He refers to him as our brother to the church of Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 2. And we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. So not only is he a son, there's a father-son relationship, but he says, hey, he's our brother. And then notice what he says. He's a, he's a co-laborer. He's, a, he's one of us. He, he puts him on level ground with the apostle. So you can see the influence, the character of this man, Timothy. You and I can emulate his life. You and I can, can follow the example of this young man who became important to the early church, had an effective ministry. Not only does he call him his brother, but he calls him a fellow worker as he's closing out the very last chapter of the book of Romans. 16th chapter, verse 21, he says, Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greetings. So do Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, my fellow Jews. Timothy, my fellow worker. 
See, Timothy is a vital figure in the New Testament, in the church. He has two letters addressed to him by the apostle himself. Timothy was faithful to his call. Timothy was faithful to the work of God. Timothy was faithful to the church. I think this is so important for you and I that we understand to be faithful to God's call, to be faithful to the work of the Lord, and to be faithful to the church of Jesus Christ. Remember, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Glad tidings, the church worldwide. Listen, it is God's church. It is his church. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's his church. He's going to take care of his church. We just get the privilege of being a part of the body of Christ. So he calls him a fellow worker. But going back to Philippians, the very first verse, the first chapter, He says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ, including the church leaders and the deacons. Notice how he refers to Timothy and himself, slaves of Christ. The original, it is bond servants of Christ. The emphasis is on their total submission to the call of God. Other words, they're living their lives in light of their Lord Jesus Christ. In light of his wishes, his desires. See, Timothy speaks to us today. As one who come under authority, it's important that we come under authority today. Authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we live our life Not with our own plan, but according to his desires, according to his, Jesus's wishes for us. Another thing we know about Timothy is this. He's a third generation believer. In the second letter that Paul writes to him, chapter one, verse five, he says, I remember your genuine faith for you shared the same faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois. And your mother, Eunice. I know that same faith continues strong in you. He's a third generation Christian. And Paul was reminding Timothy of where he came from and that he is standing on the shoulders of others. He's reminding him that his faith, that that, that this faith holds him, has been a generational work in his family and will continue. We are here today because we're standing on the shoulders of someone else. It may be your father. It may be your grandmother. It may be an aunt or an uncle, or it simply may be another spiritual mentor that introduced you to Christ. You're standing on the shoulders of someone else. This blessing is a generational blessing. And should the Lord tarry, your faithfulness today will give someone else the ability to stand strong. They will stand on your shoulders. That's why it's important. Be faithful to his call. Be faithful to the work of Christ. Because it's not just about me. It's not just about you. It's about those who will come behind us. It's about our sons, our daughters. At this season in my wife and I's life, it's about our grandchildren. Should the Lord tarry another 30 years, it'll be about 
their children. And what I love about the story of Timothy is you see the blessings throughout the generations. Another thing we know about Timothy, write this, he's the pastor of Ephesus. So we see him starting as a young man, joins the missionary efforts of the apostle Paul and Silas. And you'll read throughout the New Testament where Paul will send Timothy to strengthen other believers in Thessalonica, uh, he uses him in, in different areas like Ephesus. And you see that Timothy had a, had a great impact. But now, when Paul is writing First and Second Timothy, church history tells us that he is the pastor of this church. And Paul encourages him in the work of the ministry. So for the next few minutes... I want to highlight some verses out of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. You'll notice there's some blanks there underneath each book. And it's just for you to write some of these verses. These are some, some of my favorite verses. These are some verses that I think is important to encourage yourself with. Some of them commit to memory because they will help you. But you'll see the heart of the apostle and you'll see the nature of Timothy coming out. He exhorts Timothy to fight the good fight. In his first letter, chapter 1, verse 18, he says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battle. You are in a battle, a spiritual battle. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. He says, fight well in the Lord's battle. The old English, the King James says, war, a good warfare. Cling to your faith in Christ. But then if you go to chapter 4, you'll see where he says, train yourself in godliness. Verse 7, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tables. You ever seen people just like to argue about, they argue about scriptures, peripheral things, you know, uh, things that really don't affect your salvation, but they just want to always argue something Paul says, don't waste your time arguing. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. I highlight this verse because I think it's important that we realize that godliness doesn't always come easy. It takes effort. Yeah. It takes training. It takes work. Train yourself, Timothy, in godliness. Now, Timothy's the pastor and Paul says, listen, don't get caught up in endless genealogies and, and fables and, 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 and arguments that really don't matter. This is what matters. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Benefits, blessings in this life today, but also in the life to come, eternal life. Write this scripture down, 1 Timothy 4, 12 and 13. He tells Timothy, don't allow anyone to despise your youth, 
Don't let anyone think of, of, of less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, in your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. Hey, don't allow anyone to despise your youth. Other words, Timothy, live in such a way that you don't give people the ability to, to, to take advantage of you, of you because of your youthfulness. you got to try a little bit harder. You've got to put a little bit more effort there. And then he says, stand out as an example to all believers. And church, you and I are an example to others. we got to live in such a way that if they look at us... They will see Christ, how you act and react to situations, how you live out your faith. It will point them to Christ. He told Timothy, teach the scriptures. Teach the scriptures. It's important. And this is important for you and me. You and I, we got we to gotta allow our lives to be grounded in the scriptures. Teach the word of God. Proclaim the word of God boldly. That which was entrusted to you, guard what's been entrusted to you. Write this verse down, 1 Timothy 6, verse 20 and 21. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. God has entrusted to you eternal life. He's entrusted to you the name of his son, Jesus. Guard what has been entrusted to you. To you, real quickly, let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, write this scripture, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 and 7. This is why I remind you, fan into flames the spiritual gift God has given you when I laid my hands upon you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power and of love and a self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength of God that God gives you, be ready to suffer. So notice what he said. He said, Timothy, fan into flames. It's important that you and I encourage ourselves in the giftings that God has laid upon us and given to each of us. You got to stir up that gift. You got to fan into flame. Yeah. And you know the analogy, the coals, they're burning. And if you'll fan those coals and you'll put fresh wood on the fire, the flame will ignite. Use that analogy to apply it to your life. Where are some things? There's still coals burning, but the flame is missing. Fan that coal. Fan those gifts that God has given you. And realize God's not giving you a spirit of fear. He's talking to a pastor here. I want to be honest, it can be kind of scary being a pastor. Sometimes you look real scary. <laughs> He's talking about life. He's talking about circumstances. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound. You need to let that get in your spirit. Get deep into your soul. 
Because fear paralyzes us. Fear causes us to, to, to stand still and not do anything. Fear causes us to, 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 to throw in the towel. God has given you a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Write this word, uh, this scripture, 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ. Be ready to suffer, he told him. Now, we don't like to talk about that too much. Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, be ready. Just like Jesus said, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Paul says, I'm suffering, and guess what? As a protege, as a preacher of the gospel, there's going to be some times of suffering. Be ready. Be prepared. Be prepared. But guess what? The word of God cannot be chained. Write this verse, 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. Ooh, somebody needs to shout a little bit right here. <laughs> you think you're having a bad day? You think your good intentions have been turned upside down and against you? And now the enemy's got the upper hand? Hear me, the word of God cannot be chained. Paul is in prison when he's writing this. He's awaiting martyrdom. He says, I'm chained like a criminal, but let me tell you what's not chained, and that's the word of the living God. You may feel bound by your circumstances. You may feel bound and confined by what you're walking through, but what is not bound is the word of the living God. I promise you there's going to come fruit from this hard place. Be faithful, just like Timothy was Paul's fruit from Lystra. I believe there's some fruit from this season. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't quit. One of the last verses, got two more. Here, here's one. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 and 2. I urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. He's telling this young man, this young pastor, Timothy, preach the word of God. What's going to bring change in our community? The word of God. What's going to bring change in our church? What's going to bring revival? Preach the word of God. When you're walking through a tough moment, preach. Stand on the word of God. Speak the word of God over your life. Speak the word of God over your family. Declare the promises of God over your circumstances. Finally, 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid, Timothy, of suffering for the Lord. Again, he's talking about suffering. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Timothy, be faithful to the end. Be faithful to the ministry that God has planted in your life. Be faithful to finish strong. We need to hear this today. 
in a climate where it's so easy to give up, so easy to be saturated with all the negativity around us. It's hard. It's difficult. But fulfill the work of the Lord. Be strong to the very end. Be faithful to the ministry that God has planted in you. Timothy, God has placed you in Ephesus. Be faithful to the people at Ephesus. Be faithful to preach the word. Be faithful to teach the word. Be faithful to stand strong and not give in to fear. Be faithful because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Can we stand together? And can we bow our heads in prayer? Father, I love you. I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, for the life of Timothy. It speaks to us. I thank you, Lord, for how this young man was in the church of Lystra, a place where Paul was stoned, left for dead, had to leave because of the persecution that broke out. Years later, he goes back and he finds a young man, Timothy, who had a good reputation. Timothy joined him in ministry. Paul spent the rest of his life mentoring this young man. Timothy became a son to him. He recognized him as a fellow worker, a co-equal with him. And he writes these words. Remember, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of self-control. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season, Timothy. For the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And Timothy, fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Don't leave anything undone. The ministry God has given you. Church, I submit to you as our heads are bowed God has given you a ministry that first responsibility is your family God has given you a ministry it may be your career may the ministry of evangelism ministry of mentoring others ministry of encouraging others This call to Christians is to be steadfast, to be patient and committed to fulfilling the fulfillment of the ministry. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to faithfulness. I want to challenge you to continue to be faithful to the call of God on your life. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, At times it's hard, at times it's difficult. But I needed this word today. I needed to hear this. 
and I want to fulfill the ministry that God has given to me. Whether it's your family, your career, or you're walking through, you want to be faithful. If that's you, just lift your hand right now toward heaven. Say, Pastor, I recognize that call to faithfulness today. You're here today, and maybe you drifted away from the teachings of the historical church. Maybe you drifted away from the apostles' doctrine. Maybe you drifted away from the teachings of Christ. And today, you want to come home. Today, you want to commit your life to Christ. Today, you want to receive his salvation. Today is the day of salvation. If you would like to recommit your heart and life to God, just lift your hand toward heaven right now. I believe the Lord is here. God will touch you. God is manifesting and drawing you to himself. Can we pray this prayer together? Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I commit my heart to you, to your ways, to your teaching, and to your truth. Give me your strength. Give me your power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.